Casely wished she hadn't gone into town, although having Rosina with her meant she could simply nod and smile in response to greetings and keep walking. She didn't have to stop to respond to people's inquiries. Most meant well, but their lives hadn't been devastated and their polite expressions of sympathy made her want to hit them. These sudden urges to violence were unnerving and she felt like a stranger to herself. She was so angry, with Jago for not being here when she desperately needed him, with herself for failing at the most basic task of being a mother to protect her children, and with God for taking her two innocent and much-loved sons. Why? Before Jago left on his most recent voyage, she had sensed a change in him and hated her suspicions. But she hadn't known, not for certain, not until today. Had she given in to Rosina's urging, she wouldn't know now. Would it have been better to remain in ignorance while the town gossiped? Now she knew she couldn't pretend she didn't. So what was she to do? Rosina took Caisley's cape. Just say you're right about Mrs. Downing. We both know I am. It don't mean nothing. Mister's a man and men. She's no more to him than scratching an itch, and that's the truth. The front door slammed. I'll fetch a tray of tea. Listen, bird. Perhaps it isn't my place to say. Caisley smiled wearily. When has that ever stopped you? You aren't the only one hurting. He took it very bad that he wasn't here for you. She hurried out. Caisley moved to the window and looked down onto the busy river. She heard him speak to Rosina, his deep voice so beloved and familiar. She wrapped her arms across her body, pressing them against the constant gnawing ache in her stomach and fought for composure. She would never forget the look on his face when he burst into the room a week after she had watched two small coffins lowered into the ground, one on top of the other. She had insisted the boys remain together. But in the torrent of questions that poured from Jago's lips, she had not heard comfort or sympathy or understanding, only accusation. Unable to bear any more pain, she had withdrawn deep into herself. The door opened. She turned and saw him, tall, strong, his dark, curly hair untidy. With him came the vivid memory of Louise Downing's triumphant smirk. Crossing the room, he brushed her cheek lightly with his lips, then stood at her shoulder looking out of the window. Longing for more while wanting to hammer him with her fists, she realised his close-bearded face was leaner than she remembered. Creases surrounded his eyes and scored a groove between his dark brows. What changes did he see in her? How was your day? She braced herself to give him the news. My cousin Charlotte is expecting her first child. His frown deepened. How did you learn of this? If Margaret Bonithon came here and upset you... No. She sent a letter. I do not begrudge her pleasure, 
and I wish Charlotte well, but Aunt Margaret could not resist comparing Charlotte, wed only six months, to poor Emily Lashbrook, who has been married seven years and whose failure to produce is causing both families great anxiety. Her gloating was unpleasant, though I always found Emily spoiled and selfish. I feel for her. The pressure must be very hard to bear, especially for someone to whom everything came easily. He nodded, but she could see his attention was elsewhere. Hopelessness welled up like a tide. I have to go to Egypt. Startled, Kaisley looked at him. Egypt? When? As soon as possible. His gaze held hers. But she stopped. They both knew he had been home only a week. Why?